I'm Jordan. And I am Tim. And together we're just two INTPs trying to figure out life, fails, flops, fiascos. Making fun out of it. Yes. Episode two. Yes, episode two. And I kind of have an idea of what this episode is going to be about. I think we talked a little bit about it when we left last time. We did. But I had nothing to do with the research this time. So I, it was just according to what you guys oh, I hope I don't, put together. I hope oh. I don't fail you. Well, I guess technically last time I didn't have anything to do with the research. <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask you, Jordan, the first thing, I don't know if, it's just because I'm not that smart. But what is an INTP? An INTP is someone that maybe uh, the outsider would look at and say, you know what, that guy's kind of weird, kind of boring. Okay. But on the inside, the INTP doesn't need people okay. as much yeah. as maybe an extroverted person. The I in INTP stands for introverted. Okay. So much more introverted on the spectrum. Growing up an INTP, I can tell you that we are abstract thinkers. Okay. We love theories. Absolutely. Even if it's not even remotely grounded in reality. <laughs> it's better okay. if it is okay. yes. grounded in reality, but... If it's not, that's not a deal breaker either. So looking back, I, I had no idea about this until recently. But as you explain this, I do look back and I, I yes, I can growing up definitely see those tendencies. Conspiracy. Even even still, yeah. Conspiracy theories. Yes. Like, I love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> Um, some famous INTPs would be Albert Einstein. So that's already off to a good start. Hey. Very smart, probably. You know, when I think of Albert Einstein, I wasn't, I didn't think he was a party guy. <laughs> Who's to say? Was he, he seemed pretty happy in a lab. Man. I don't even know if that's what he did, but <laughs> seemed like a pretty smart guy. Abraham Lincoln. Okay. I guess some people back then would have thought his thinking was pretty abstract. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> May have caused uh, a lot of fiascos. Uh, it, yep. Charles Darwin. So I'm, That one's interesting. A lot of older people I'm noticing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe it was a pretty common personality trait back then. <laughs> Bill Gates. So that's... You, you know, when I, when I listen to Bill Gates, I know he's not a very eloquent talker. No. He stumbles over himself quite a bit. I do too. Mm -hmm. I will start a sentence without knowing where I'm going to end it. And I will often start a sentence knowing where I'm going to end it, but it doesn't end there. Okay. Because 
I get sidetracked in the oh, middle yeah. of my sentence. Yes. I feel that. I don't even know who this next person is. Galileo Galilei. Uh, I feel like that's something we should know, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm at a loss also. It sounds Astronomer, like astronomer, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, it just reminds me of the Queen song. Galileo. Galileo. <laughs> uh, so INTPs make up four point eight percent of the total population. That's not very much. I just, and this is something that I just learned when you sent me uh, take this test. Okay, I like taking tests, surveys, whatever. I like that. And uh, when I found out, I didn't know what to think of it, but it's very accurate. When and, you go back and yeah. look, and then now I know that the two of us in the same room are this INTP, and there's only four percent in the whole world. That's pretty pretty ironic. It's incredible. <laughs> Makes me thankful every morning I wake up. <laughs> hey, I know another INTP. <laughs> One of the negative traits is that we can often get stuck in our own heads. Oh, man. So I definitely feel this. I will be in a conversation with somebody and... I will not even be remotely thinking about the conversation. Oh, 100%. I will be thinking about something really stupid in comparison. <laughs> but it's it's all up here in my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what is currently entertaining me as we go through this conversation. And I will just realize that there's been a period of time where nobody has been talking. And they're looking at me, waiting for a response. Yes. But I have nothing to give. Yeah. I'm glad to know that you've been in that situation oh, too. Probably many times today. And as we're both married, so uh, I'm sure our wives have <laughs> definitely noticed that. Yeah. yeah. You can't see me, but I'm like vehemently <laughs> shaking my head. This can make us appear aloof at times when we get stuck in our own head, but... We actually feel things very deeply, but we process things differently. Oh, for sure. I know we were kind of having a conversation earlier about how we process confrontation. Mm. For me, confrontation is very uncomfortable, oh, and I'd rather not be in confrontation. But oddly enough, I handle it a lot better when confrontation comes to me. I feel like I can handle that pretty good. When I know that I'm going to initiate confrontation, like at, at my job, uh -huh. if I know I have to go discipline or correct somebody's thinking, yeah, I do you uh, dwell on it? And oh, like I dwell like, overthink it. It's hard for me yeah. to sleep the night before. Yes, like I I yeah. have a problem, and it just it dominates my mind the whole day. Yep, I can't pay attention to anything else. I know that I have to do that and that it is a burden for me. Some people love confrontation. That ain't me though. No, that is hilarious because no. Yeah. I, I even, I can't even, if it comes to me, I don't like it. So I will avoid it or I will profusely apologize for something even I didn't do just so I can avoid not having that confrontation. 
I have done the same thing. Yep. I just accept it. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm sorry. Uh-huh, I just uh-huh. don't want us to be in confrontation mode anymore. That's right. Yep. INTPs find, sometimes we find emotions and feelings to be a hard thing to deal with. Thankfully, I didn't marry a very emotional person, but the people in my life who are emotional, if I know I'm going to have to be with them, I'm already drained. <laughs> like just thinking about yes. it, I'm drained. Yes. I have some members of my family, they look at me like I'm an alien. Like, why aren't you excited? Why aren't you sad? Yeah. I am excited and I am sad and happy and I experience all these emotions, but apparently significantly more subdued yeah. than the average person. For a sad example in that case, my mother had passed away about five years now. And is is that's an emotional thing to go through. And I was very sad. But we to put it in a weird perspective, I I was sad. I cried. But then like a year or so later, uh, the stupid Marvel movie came out and we went and saw Avengers and Iron Man dies. I started crying in the theater over this character that is not real. And nobody in my family could understand how I could show so such emotion for a, a fake character, but a real person in my life is gone and like and i accepted it like it was just something like they just didn't understand but in my mind it made sense yeah yeah it's hard to explain <laughs> i mean who knows maybe you identified more with right with i don't know the guy who died in yeah. the movie i don't know i i can't explain it either yeah. it's very weird so because we're more logic based we are most happy when we know we're dealing with things that are interesting and uncommon. Yep. Hence the reason why we think failures, flops, and fiascos are not only interesting, but it's kind of like these good ideas that why did they fail? Yeah. Like, I'm so in. Yeah. And I feel like every INTP out there should be listening right now. And I hope they do. Let's do it. All right. Well, Jordan, what do you remember about 1982? (laughs) That was 11 years before I came into existence. All right. Well, I was, let's see, five, five years old. Okay. And a little movie, independent film, I think, called E.T. came out. Have you ever seen E.T.? I have seen E.T. Yeah. What did you think of E.T.? They did the best they could at the time. Okay. I imagine it was probably a pretty cool movie to go see in theaters. So on that note, E.T. back in 1982, June of 1982, sold $147.9 million in tickets. That's around $1.33 billion in, in today's money. So that... You could say it was a pretty successful film. It was a pretty successful film. Wow. Very successful. In fact, it was so successful that 
people, or I should say companies, were wanting to have the rights to this film so they can make video games. Makes sense. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's so, do it. <laughs> so, E.T. came out in June. So, it had a great, successful run. They wanted to put out a game. At the time, it was Atari. Atari 2600. I don't, I've heard of Atari. Yeah. It's a little uh, wooden console. Like the triangle yep. looking thing. Had a little little joystick, one button. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, simple. Yes, very That's simple. All you needed. Yeah. But their goal was to release a video game for the holiday season coming up. So you had June to December, basically, which doesn't give you a whole lot of time to yeah no that's what <laughs> developing especially when at the time i i don't think anybody had made a video game based on a movie yet well, i mean video games were fairly young at this point weren't they right i mean the 80s is when i think arcade right culture really started right pac-man mm-hmm. donkey kong basic things well now you're gonna take a video or a movie about an alien that comes to the planet and he's trying to get back home you're gonna take that and put it into a video game and and i guess i could see that being a pretty cool idea if it were today how long do you think it would take to make a video game like that to develop a a video game like that and i think now they spend like two or three years on a video game don't like if it's a triple a oh, title yeah like you're talking about years of development right and then sometimes they they i've heard this i, I don't want to be too facetious in my thinking but sometimes they spend all the time and money to get that game out and it still never gets released because it's so <laughs> detailed so they had basically six months to get this game out back in the 80s too, 19, like, 1982 your programming ability would probably be laughable oh compared to now for sure so the designer was howard scott warsaw and his objective was to develop this game and well he was able to do it they got it released by the holiday season the objective of the game was to guide E.T. through the world and he was to find pieces of a phone so he could phone home and get off the planet. Is that what happened in the movie? That is what's happened in the He actually, he in the movie, he takes different pieces of toys from his friend, that he his human friend that he finds. And actually makes a phone that he's able to contact his, okay, his quote unquote family, you know. Okay. Um, but in this game, so you you go through different areas. He can, <laughs> you push a button. He lifts his neck, and if there's a piece of, <laughs> if there's a piece of phone in that screen, it will show up, and you could go to this. Uh, I guess it was it was a hole in the ground and then he falls in. He can get the piece of phone, but then you have to get out of the hole. And sometimes that was the hardest part. 
you, you get out of the hole and because of where you are on the screen, you would drop back in. <laughs> I could see that causing rage. Yep. So uh, they're, they're scattered throughout the, the whole game, various pits, wells or whatever they're, they're considered. Uh, and you have a certain amount of time and it's counting down like unreasonably fast. So, and if this happens, if it, it runs out of time, you die. The scientists come and get you. They take you off your, your scientist prodder. <laughs> but uh, you can refill your energy and your, your time by collecting Reese's Pieces. Okay. I remember those were big in the movie. Yes. Short side tangents about that. Guess what company passed on this movie? For, to have that that right in the movie because they thought M&M's M&M's they passed on having their brand in the movie because they thought it was bail wow so Reese's Pieces they showed up 1.3 billion dollars boom exactly so as you're going through these screens you're being chased by uh, F- FBI agents okay and scientists they work get, together yes <laughs> if you get caught by the scientists they they take you to another part of like another position in the game so you have to try and get back to finding those phone pieces if the fbi gets you they take your phone pieces so you have to get, you have to find those again uh sounds like a riveting game so uh, far it's, it, oh my god one of the as a child playing this game it was even frustrating <laughs> was there anything fun the music the music the okay. 8-bit intro was yes <laughs> so if you were able to collect all the phone pieces you make your you make your call back home and you have a short amount of time to get back to your spaceship and then if you're you're able to get there you win the game the spaceship picks you up you say goodbye to elliot elliot was the kid and you're off (laughs) if you die uh elliot will come and revive you and you can also find uh, this was also part of the movie you can find a geran- geranium the flower uh-huh. and that can revive ET too if, if you're able if you die so uh, you could play either Elliot or ET no you're just ET you're just ET and you run through <laughs> I think there's four different screens <laughs> for it, like as far as aesthetics and you just run through each one trying to find the pieces of the phone being chased by scientists and FBI. Sounds like a bad dream. It was it was terrible. So it was uh Which by the way, I feel like four screens, even by nineteen eighty two standards, was probably pretty primitive. Right? Cause I I mean I can remember I don't know if it was Atari or a Sega. I think they were big at the time too. My dad had an old console with old games on it. Okay. And 
there was this one game and I cannot remember what I think it may have been pit pitfall oh yeah and your goal was to jump over like these pits yes which sounds like actually a lot like what et was trying to accomplish but the opposite like you're trying to fall into the pits right but pitfall (laughs) had like i mean there's this whole story you keep falling into these pits you're avoiding them and then you fall into a pit and you wake up like 300 years later or something and oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that story. You know more than I do. Well, it's I watched my dad play. That's it. amazing. I love it. Yeah. Well, needless to say, if the developers would have had time, it could have been amazing. In, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know. They only had six months. Right. Um, Atari was. Uh, they were owned, or they were part uh, company of Warner. Warner Com- Communications, and. They were the ones that had the, they were the ones that collaborated with Steven Spielberg, the director, and they had the license to produce game. They paid 20 to $25 million for the rights to that game. Atari did? Atari did, yes. And they were still, they were, a, they were a sister company, basically. They were owned by Warner, but they still had to have the rights. Wow. For the game. For the game. Okay, so in today's money... 63 to 78 million. Wow. Just for the Because you imagine just... Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. So Steve Ross, who was the... Um, he was the CEO of... I don't know if it was Atari. Yeah, I think he was the Atari CEO. He chose... Ray Kassar, K-A-S-S-A-R. He asked what he thought about making a video game, and he said, I think it's a dumb idea. This was the the developer of the game. (laughs) (laughs) We've never made an action game out of a movie. Fair. So, okay, so (laughs) you already have a developer. Doesn't believe in it. Yeah, he doesn't think it's going to (laughs) work. So... After being asked to do it, he, Ray Kassar, contacts uh, Scott Warshaw to help him develop the game. And Warshaw is... He must be the actual, like, computer, like, zeros and ones kind of guy. Spielberg apparently specifically asked for Warshaw to create the game. And to be finished, oh, this gets better, by 9-1-82. So that's September 1st. So you're talking about three months. Three months, yes. Some of the work that Warshaw, uh, he did previously was Yar's Revenge, which was huge back then. Okay. We could go back and maybe... Talk about that. So Warshaw, technically he was pretty good at what he did okay he uh he accepted the challenge he thought oh no problem it's just an alien i can do that uh spielberg offered him two hundred thousand dollars and an all-inclusive hawaiian vacation if he were to do it in three months that's right yes i feel like two hundred thousand dollars for three months of work and a hawaiian vacation is a really good salary oh 
No doubt. I would probably. take that now. Yeah, probably on top of what what he was already making. Exactly. Which if it sounds like he was a pretty respected person in his field, so yeah. I'm sure he's making plenty already. Yep. Warshaw. He made the game. He brought it to Spielberg, and Spielberg was not impressed. Okay, so this is three months later, I'm assuming. Uh, I yeah yeah after the vacation and everything, so. so. I would I would imagine it it does take a lot to impress Steven Spielberg, probably. But dude's probably got incredible vision, right? But the, he he did give him two hundred thousand dollars to to be impressed. So he's I mean he has a right to be impressed, I guess. So apparently Steven asked him to create a similar design to Pac Man. I don't know if he wanted E.T. to go through mazes and collect Reese's pieces that way. And a super mega Reese's made him (laughs) eat ghost or something. Yeah. Maybe he ate the the FBI agents. I don't know. Which have you ever thought about just how weird of a concept that is? Very. Pac-Man is like this fictional character anyway. But he eats dots. And then if he eats a really big dot, he can eat ghost. Yeah. And then the ghosts, after he eats the ghosts, turn into ghosts. <laughs> Ultra ghosts. Yeah. Ultra ghosts. Yeah. Except a ghost. Uh, so it didn't. It didn't phase Warshaw. He he was like whatever. He continued uninterrupted with his design process, and he he thought that this game was going to have unbelievable sales. Like, ET was incredible. The game's going to be even better, right? (laughs) So due to time restrictions, obviously, and audience testing was skipped. Like he didn't get anybody's opinion. Uh, But then again, if I had like $200,000 just chill in my pocket, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not testing any audience either. He's like, no, we're just doing it. Yeah. And he was was a little too confident about previous (laughs) releases. Such as Pac-Man. Oh, and Warshaw developed Pac-Man. No, I think I think just because it was, I don't know if he did or not. I don't think so. Oh, but you're he, just saying uh, because of how big Pac-Man yeah. was. Gotcha. I think he was he was rolling on the fact that like, oh, everybody's into video games now. Okay. Like it was that time period where everyone was like, you just that's what you did. Yeah, you don't. You just, yeah, you don't go to the arcade anymore. You bring it home. Gotcha. Pac-Man was huge. You know, E.T.'s going to be even better. <laughs> Pac-Man doesn't have a movie. No. So, well, no, he doesn't, actually. So what it sounds like, this highly anticipated game, retailers ordered a lot, thinking it was going to sell pretty good, right? Well, supplies were more than what sold. Uh, and combined, uh, Atari received a large number of cancellation from competitors uh, that entered the market. Basically, what I gather from this is in November of 82, a month before the holiday, right? Atari canceled several contracts of distributors that would have actually uh, put out the game. And... Atari established exclusive deals with 
very few other distributors. Mm. So <laughs> basically they had a wide variety of ways to get this game out, but now they are with just a select distributors. And man, they made that decision on their like on their own. On they their canceled own. they canceled. Oh. Uh, this caused many retailers to cancel the orders then. So if you're gonna like why would we carry your game if you're gonna make it so that we have to use your distributor right exactly et was billboard magazine's number four video game sales list or was the number four selling game of of december 1982 to january 1983 it sold 1.5 million units sounds good mm-hmm. there were 2.5 Five to three point five million units unsold. Oh man! So they didn't even get to like fifty percent. No, no, no. Uh, so why did this happen? Large number of cartridges resulted in excess inventory, obviously. And although it did well, people were excited to have it. It did not do well enough to meet the sales expectation. So, combined with lower than expected sales plus excess inventory equals yeah 3.5 of the 4 million were sent back to the company as unsold or returns oh man some say this is hilarious some say there were more ET cartridges produced than Atari 2600 units in existence why would you do that? Wait, so you're telling me that the console that this game is supposed to run on, there wasn't there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough for each household to have one. <laughs> or there was <laughs> How could you say that? Everyone that owned an Atari could have had like three copies of it. <laughs> How does a company like Atari make that kind of mistake? Exactly. It, coming off of an era where you have things like Pac-Man, Asteroids, uh, Donkey Kong, all those things, like you should have been skyrocketing in, in profit. Wow. Yeah. So despite the sales figures, when you take into account the unsold games along with expensive movie licenses and a large number of returns, this was a major financial <laughs> do we know like the breakdown of how much it costs per unit to make a cartridge Ooh, that's a good question because we know they spent what do you say 70 million just on the rights uh-huh. to have this game yeah or to to make the game and yep. then you think about all the money it took to actually create these physical cartridges because you had to buy games physically back then and then all the money it took to develop the game Uh these people's salaries the the equipment to make it happen and it was basically all for naught yep so you mean to tell me they made four million cartridges cartridges of this game yes and I actually (laughs) uh, short story I tried to get one on eBay last week. I missed it by a dollar. 
Oh man. Which I wouldn't have had anything to play it on, but it would have been fun to like show you what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have really liked that. <laughs> Funny enough. Um any idea what happened to all those cartridges? No. <laughs> In a landfill somewhere, maybe? As a matter of fact, they are. So in 1983, Atari paid the town of Alamogordo, New Mexico, to dump over 800,000 games in their landfill. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. You bring in these city liter- city leaders and say, hey, <laughs> this may sound really weird. <laughs> But we have a lot of plastic that we need to get rid of. Can we please use your city dump? Joseph Lewandowski later bought the garbage company that dumped them. Because of the buzz about it, Lewandowski decided to to dig up these games. They were buried about 30 feet deep in the 300-acre lot. They dug up nearly 1,178 cartridges. There were about 50 titles, such as Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Breakout, Star Raiders, Pete's Soccer, Centipede, Baseball, Asteroids, and Defender. He ended up selling them to raise money for the city and kept the rest for museums. 881 games were sold. Whoa! The price? Mm Mm-hmm. At $1,535 per piece through eBay for a total of $107,930. $26,000 of that was spent on shipping cost because many customers were internationally located. (laughs) People all over the world were interested about this. There's also a documentary about this. A full-blown documentary. Full-blown. And it's, it, in my personal opinion, it's amazing. Have you seen it's, it? It's, yes, I have. And <laughs> <laughs> going back to being an INTP, this was super interesting to me. Yes. To me, it was like a treasure hunt. Yes. I my family sat there watching it and were like, what, what's the point? Like, so what if they find a video game? That's not the point. No. What if they find the video game? Yeah, because think of the story behind yeah, that. Exactly. This whole story that we just listened to or talked about. <laughs> and, and they found several copies of E.T. along with these other ones. But. Okay, so if my math is correct, they had over three and a half million copies that people either didn't buy or they bought and hated it so much that they returned it. Yes. And they paid this town in New Mexico to dump 800,000. Uh-huh. So that's still leaving like a lot out there. 2.8 million copies that we don't know where they are. <laughs> no. I wonder They're all on eBay. There's got to <laughs> be somebody who used to work for Atari who knows this information but probably signed a non-disclosure agreement. Oh, sure. And he knows where all the cartridges is. And he's probably like, I can make so much money right, right? now. I mean. Could you imagine finding uh, one in, with just 
still packed. Like <laughs> oh, that's high dollar stuff right there. Right, that'd be great. So that ends the story of the ET Atari cartridge. Would you say that's a fail? The fact that Atari couldn't sell like eighty to ninety percent of their cartridges, I would say that's a fail. <laughs> I would say people probably got fired. There's probably a lot of animosity between Spielberg and Atari, I'm imagining, because the game was a complete flop. Yeah. I don't imagine Spielberg probably felt the financial damage nearly as much <laughs> as Atari did. Yeah. But, I mean, that can't have been good for his ego. Uh, and, I mean, this is just off the top of my head. I can't think of any other Spielberg's movies that had video games. Well, like, uh, maybe there are. I'm sure there's a Jurassic Park in there yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Some but movie. I'm sure they had plenty of time to develop it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine that this event was a good learning experience for Atari, but also all the other game developers oh, at the time. For sure. I'm sure, you know, you're talking about Nintendo at that time. Yeah. Sega was probably around. I think they were, mo if not around, they were definitely getting started. So what better way to learn? Yeah, because that's got to be like lesson number one give yourself time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but do you think it was the the game concept that failed or do you think it was marketing inventory what what do you think was it what was the part that made it fail the thing that made it fail to me was just the lack of time i mean spielberg wanted it in three months which is incredibly unrealistic Right. But six months was also unrealistic, I feel like. You know, I'm not a programmer, but right. I feel like even a big company like Atari could not accomplish a good title mm -hmm. within such a short time frame. I feel like, yeah, the game concept itself didn't sound very riveting. In fact, it sounded really frustrating. The fact that you were always falling into these pits and having to get out of the pits. Yes. Because it sounds like to me that there were pits that didn't have any benefit to falling into. No. So you just fall into a pit, get angry, uh -huh. and then have a hard time getting out of the pit. Uh -huh. And then depending on how the screen was set up, you could end up falling right yes. back into the pit. Yes. I don't... Yeah. I don't think this is a good idea. No. It was, it was a game you played for a few minutes and then decided to put something else into play. For sure, and That's... I was I was little, so you played it. Was, it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wow! My aunt and uncle had it. Do they still have it? Probably not. That would be amazing if they did. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So five year old me, I loved ET. I had to play the game, and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's got to be a big blow to Atari. Sorry, Atari, <laughs> if you're listening. I, I think we need a 40-year a anniversary high-definition reboot. Come on, Atari. Start working on it. How would you have changed it to uh, be more successful? Don't have any involvement with Spielberg himself. 
it seems like he had unrealistic expectations. Right. I would give more time. I mean, I keep coming back to this, but understand your limitations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even working nonstop around the clock three months is not enough. Yeah. I would like to know if it was just this one guy that was doing it. I'm sure the information's out there, but if it was just him. There's no way. Right? How about have a team? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe come up with... I feel like if you did have such a short amount of time, just make the game mechanics itself more simple, I guess. Okay. Like, don't make it exactly like the movie. Like what what the guy was trying to accomplish in the movie. Make it something fun off whatever the trajectory of the movie go a different direction yeah just make it fun i don't (laughs) know like make it tetris yeah or something put a little picture of et on the side and just have like something yeah yeah it's et you're playing the game yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah didn't atari make tetris i don't i don't I don't know. Maybe. Oh, okay. No. Uh, no, actually, no. I I think Tetris was first released on the Nintendo Game Boy. Nintendo. I think. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think either one of us are these kind of people. But why would a person now spend fifteen hundred dollars for a piece of this history, to say the least, for a game that wasn't successful at all is that the reason just to confirm what you said yes i am not spending 1500 (laughs) on this game it sounds like a terrible investment i would say people who have that kind of money to just blow probably want it just because it's a unique piece of history it's not very often you get a chance to have a piece of a company's failing yeah and that would be a good one i want a piece i want et the game just because it's was such a flop yep to think about it too in in this landfill they're not just they're not just throwing the plastic cartridges out there cartridges (laughs) (laughs) they're throwing the box the directions basically it was a brand new game and they're just throwing it in a hole and burying over it. That to me signals severe emotional distress and embarrassment <laughs> for whoever made that decision uh-huh. to just want to hide it. Yeah. Like in the middle of the night, go out there and dump <laughs> these games. Yeah. To me, that's emotional. Like, let's try and hide this. I don't yeah. want anybody to see this. Do you think there's anything in your mind that you could think of that is worth digging in a landfill to find? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That comes to my mind. I would never do it. (laughs) But I'm sure if I had time and the resources to dedicate to it, I mean, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe like treasure, jewelry, something like that. I mean, I'm sure that there are stories of like, hey man like this guy he threw away like he went to this jewelry store stole everything got scared and threw it all in and ditched it yeah yeah and i'd be like well if i didn't have a full-time job i might be going out there and digging yeah i don't know that's just me though what about you sadly 
I have to admit, yeah, I, I think there's I think there's several things that I would <laughs> I would want to find. Um, I think it would be fun to have witnessed uh, them digging these up. Do yep. do I want to pay fifteen hundred dollars for it? No, but would <laughs> I have liked it? Like held it in my hand and went, oh yeah, that was cool. Yes, I agree for sure. I'd be like, oh cool, here you go. I think I would have liked to have been a part of it yeah. too. Yeah, so they took a boatload of baseball cards, 1952 tops baseball cards, Mickey Mantle rookie cards, Jackie Robinson. Like these cards were now they're very desirable. They took a boatload and dumped them in the sea because they couldn't get rid of them. How big of a boat are we talking? I don't know if you've seen the like the garbage trucks like like off the the harbor in like New York City. Not like not like a like a cruise boat or anything, but like a pretty sizable pre- boat. Pretty sizable boat. They're just out there in the sea somewhere, man. Floating, probably. I'm sure they're long disintegrated by now. But if I if I thought for one second you could find a box that even if it was crusted together, oh man, you would love that. Oh, that'd be well. Salt is a preservative. Hey, that is true. You never know. It could be out there, too. It's there. Yeah. Go out and get what you need, man. Talking about if if I had a time machine, I would have bought that whole boat from those guys. Has there been any stories of anybody capturing these cards? No, No. I don't think so. But I would be interested to hear that. That would be be quite a story. (laughs) I'm sure... A bunch of them probably washed up on some shore somewhere. Right. And some kid was like, yeah, this is garbage. Yeah. And went and threw it away or yeah. burned it in a fire or something. Yeah, I think there's things out there that one man's trash is another man's treasure. For sure. Yeah. Imagine being Atari right now. At the time, you couldn't get rid of them. Right. But now people are like digging up landfills <laughs> just to get to these games. Yeah, do, like... Don't you think maybe it might be a, a another bad marketing idea, but if you're Atari, you have certain anniversaries that come up, maybe for the company, maybe for the movie, like I mentioned earlier, you could use this fail as an opportunity. Big time. For, yeah, people are into that. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you all the INTPs listening are into it. <laughs> yep. They'd probably go out and buy... E.T. 40th edition. Yeah. I might. I don't even have an Atari. <laughs> I don't even have a PlayStation. Hey, good for you. <laughs> well, would you consider this a flop, fail, or a fiasco? Uh, it's definitely a fail. Okay. Almost a fiasco. I was about to say it's it's a... I was going to say flop. Okay. A f- it's a flop that turned into a fiasco. Okay. But actually, now that I think about it, I think you're right. It is a fail because now it's desirable. Now people want to go buy it, but probably for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Please follow us on Twitter at FX3Podcast. Our Instagram is at F3Pod underscore cast. And Facebook is Failures, Flops, and Fiascos. Please feel free to submit your fail of the week to 
x3podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you next time.